Are you happy with the state of our country? I'm not. I'm Rob Richardson, engineer, political activist, and advocate for change. I've spent the last two decades fighting for the average person. Disruption is not a compromise. Let's shake things up a bit, challenge the status quo, and focus on what's really important to you. Welcome to Disruption. All right, welcome everybody. Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm Rob Richardson. I'm your moderator. I'm your host. I'm so glad you can join us. You know, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you decide to tune in and listen to me and to listen to us. Uh, as always, I want to thank you. If you're watching us on YouTube, please go ahead and hit that like button. Go ahead and write a review. We, we, we would love to hear your comments. We want to hear more from you. If you're listening to us on podcasts, please sign up. Uh, and get the uh, notifications. You can sign up with Apple. You can sign up with Google. You can sign up with TuneIn. However you want to listen to us, uh, we want to be a part of your lives. We want to come with you every single week to give you an update about this week's news, politics, and what's going on generally. So uh, with that being said, we have a special segment of Disruption Now, uh, the breakdown with some of my friends from uh, all around the country. Actually, a fa my favorite part of the United States, or one of them, is in Florida. So they're all joining joining me live. And uh, on my left is uh, Tune Day. Then we got my man Carlton. And then we have James. And we're all going to have a discussion to talk about this crazy, crazy, crazy week. And I got to say, it seems like every single week in this country when it comes to politics is getting crazier than the last one. So we've had a crazy week this week. Again, so Ralph, uh, the, uh, the, the governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, has found himself in a controversy. Apparently, he dressed as blackface as something that is a lot of politicians, particularly white Southern politicians, they, they've been doing for a while. And initially, when, when it was reported, uh, there, was a, there was a picture with allegedly him uh, next to a Ku Klux Klan member, and he immediately apologized, said it was a hurtful thing to do, and can't imagine uh, the hurt that people are feeling. And then, predictably, of course, everyone called for him to resign because it's, as, as, as you know, blackface has been something that has traditionally been used to undermine black people and to make black people feel lesser than and to use black people as a stereotype to make it easier to discriminate against. But that being said, look, he, as soon as the resignations uh, calls came in, he said, oh, no, no, wait, it wasn't me. He did the, he did the shaggy. It wasn't me. That wasn't me. Uh, I, I have done blackface, but I only did blackface when I was dressed as Michael Jackson. Now, uh, yeah, not that time. Yeah, no, yeah, that's what he said. But I like to see him moonwalk. I don't know. But listen, that's what happened. And now, first time he said it was him. Now he's saying it wasn't him. Now he's saying he's only blackface a few times. But then we, it didn't stop there. Apparently, state, a state senator was found with blackface. The attorney general, who would, be, uh, who would be the third in line, was found had blackface. And then... Apparently, everybody's doing this. Like, I really didn't know, but this is something that was going on a lot, and it's something that was very popular in the South. But So everybody now has been immersed in this blackface controversy, and I really want to get the opinion of everybody here. Like, is this a big deal? Should we, be, should we be enraged? Should he step down? What are your thoughts? I'll let anybody start. I'll go. All right, Carlton. Jump in, <laughs> First, man. Jump in. Oh, I just... <laughs> At this point, no, he shouldn't step down. He shouldn't have stepped down day one. When you win an election, fair and square like that, people elected you. This happened 30 years ago. Why would you step down? Why would you step down? Because a few people are calling you. And really, how many people are actually calling him to step down? Is it? Is really all I see this is coming from is the media. So no, he shouldn't step down. 30 years ago in our lives, no. Uh, should we be digging back into people's personal lives 30 years uh, for, for mistakes? No. So don't step down. I think it's being blown out of proportion. Um, I think that many people, uh, many Caucasian people, are curious about what it feels like to be black. And I probably think a lot of them did experiment, even if they experiment in the privacy of their own home. I'm sure just about all of them have at some point. So, sure. Well, um, I want them I, to be black with the police. It's a non-issue. <laughs> Everybody wants to be black to the police call. But I, but, but I, I hear you to that. But does anybody have a... Different point of view. Blackface is not about experimenting with being black. You know, blackface is that there's a certain element of, of, of you're mocking, you know, the skin color. You're you're making fun of it. That was that's how it's used. You know, it, it was used much worse in the past. But even if you say it's innocent, it's still a way to make fun, to to mock and 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 so forth. Now, I'm not to say that he should step down. That's something that if his if he constituents, then he needs to step down. If his people, if his people 
the elected officials and the, and the, the, the voting public, if he can still work with them, then, then so be it. You know, we have elections periodically, so they'll have another election and they can remove him then if it's that something that, that they feel he needs, he cannot effectively lead anymore, then that's where he needs to step in and say, okay, well, if I can't do my job, then I shouldn't be at my job. Yeah. But until that's the case, then I don't know that it's a rush that he has to step down. It, it's not reflexive because you always have to keep in mind, what interest are we serving at this point? Is, is the goal here to make it so that anybody who anything ever comes up in the past that you've done that you may regret, regret that means that you should pay a very high price for that. I don't know that that's the message or the lesson we're trying to teach here. Well, I think we have to figure out, you know, what interests we're really serving here. Like, is the goal to when you find time ago that that wasn't the best thing or was was poor judgment or in poor taste? Now, that's not to say if you're out doing physical harm to people or or doing things where there's an actual victim crime. Like like murder. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So if, if, if if you're doing that, then that's one thing. We're not going to look 20 years later and say, oh, well, you know, that's something you can grow from. Right. At the same time, the goal here should not be to just gotcha. You know, we caught you did, sure. you did something that was in poor taste or poor judgment a long time ago. So therefore, you should pay the ultimate price almost as, as just vengeance. vengeance. Right. right. You know, we, we don't want this isn't a vengeance game. This is a it's, it's conduct unbecoming for sure. sure. Uh, if he can move forward and still effectively do his job, then he should stay or then then. I'm not going to be the one banging sure. the drum for him to, to leave. If he can't, it's on him to step down right. and it's on his constituents to make him step down. Tunde, I want to, I want to go to you and really I have a question. Like, was it actually handled well though? How he handled it, I think right, uh, has some questions, right? He admitted to it in the first place. Then he stepped back and said, it wasn't me. And I think that kind of insults everyone, including black folks. And he didn't stop there. You know, he, he had an interview the other day when uh, the discussion of slavery came up, of course, when you deal with blackface, because it, it came after slavery to, to make sure black people were staying in their place and making fun of black folks. And he said he called slaves indentured servitude. So, I mean, if he doesn't have to resign, I mean, something should happen, shouldn't it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think um, this is one of those weird moments. I agree with Jimmy and, um, and Carlton in regards to, you know, this is a Virginia issue, Virginia voters. I saw a poll this morning, since it's still recent in the news, that um, by a 21% margin, black voters in Virginia say he should stay. So, you know, I live in Florida, not Virginia, so it's time to comment on whether he should go stay. I agree, though, that this is probably not something that a guy should get absolutely fired from his job for. I think that the reality is it starts, it should be the start of a conversation. Um, I think that everything that I've been hearing you guys say is correct. You know, we understand the historic uh, and the historical context uh, when it relates to blackface. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't. And, um, and I think to your point about his interview with, with uh, the, the other day with relates to how he described slavery as indentured servitude. I mean, I think he needs to keep, probably keep his mouth shut and stay off TV. The problem is he's a governor. You know I mean, that's part of your job. <laughs> he's supposed to be able to speak. I don't know. I, it's, I think it's just one of these things that is uncomfortable, but we shouldn't shy away from the discussion and hear everybody out, including him and others that think like him. Because, look, it's 150 years after the Civil War and we're still debating whether to fly or not when they lost the war after attacking the U.S. government. Right. So this whole post, the South and North, we've never actually dealt with it in this country every couple of you know, maybe every decade, every 20, 30 years, right. every generation deals with this new. When we were kids, it was the riots in L.A. and the folks that were 10, 20 years older than us were kind of our age at the time, right. you know, dealing with that. Before well, that was the stuff in the 60s. So I just think this is another example of the fact that we're sharing this country. We all come at it from different angles. And we need to have a better way to have a dialogue. But my thing is, too, and this is why I think we shouldn't just run a guy like that out of town just on its face. And it goes back to like the Megyn Kelly thing. I think, unfortunately, not allowing certain people that might have done these things and maybe they've changed. And maybe they have a story to tell as to what made them change over right. time, why they feel different. I mean, clearly this guy ran as a Democrat. Um, I know that doesn't mean anything because we shouldn't assume that that no, it doesn't mean anything. It just means you're a Democrat. Uh, that's why I want to be careful and, and make that kind of. But, but I do want to. I, I do want to wrap up really quick. Go ahead. 
No, I was just saying it seems that unless there's something in the last, let's say, 10 to 20 years of his life that shows that he was actively being racist, then maybe he was just a jackass 20-something kid when this happened. Just like we've all done, I think, between age 15 and 25, there's probably more than things that I can count on both hands that I'd be a little bit embarrassed if something came out today. Well, I just think... Yeah, I, I agree with that. And just to wrap up this there, point. There's another point, though, that, that this does touch on, and that's the issue of, of respect, mutual respect. You know, you, you touch on the issues that, that are still... I don't think the, the, the point here or the, where, where we're going with this or where society or, or his constituents or the media should be going with this is politically correct or being politically exactly. correct or being offensive. It's about, is he, it, it, where's the level of mutual respect? You know, all of the conflict that you're pointing to for the past 150, 170 years, it, it, in terms of the dehumanization uh, of black folks in this country um, by any means, you know, like there were so many means and blackface was one of them. Blackface relative to so many was a relatively harmless one. But when people bring up, oh, well, you know, why is that a big problem? The, the, the problem is that that was you to justify Jim Crow. And, and segregate, uh, we're, we're not the, asking the for people to be politically correct. We're yes. saying, hey, show us respect as human beings. You know, should do, and we'll show you respect as human beings. The mutual respect is where dialogue has to come from. And if that's not there, then you have a problem. Then you're going to have a breakdown. And so that's the question here, you know, in terms of him using blackface. Does that yeah. mean that he doesn't have respect for a, 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 a portion of yeah. his constituents? And you make a great point on that. And, and, and then I want to wrap past this point. I think the biggest issue is that we don't have these uncomfortable conversations. And... And you can tell by the governor's response that he hasn't had many conversations like this. And it's, it's, it's interesting. He doesn't, you can be a, per, a good person and still have racist thoughts because it's naturally ingrained because we, we, in America, it was so accepted. I mean, blackface was common and racism was common and still really is. And really having, ha- having them understand that, you know, you can both learn from this moment and grow, but he has to understand why it was hurtful. He has to understand why it mattered because it because it because because it did matter, and he can grow from that and not lose his position. But he still has to, you still have to be willing to have these uncomfortable conversations. What I think in America we're not willing to do. I'll get to you real real quick, Carlton. What we're not willing to do is have those uncomfortable conversations because Tunde, you know, you brought this up, but when you look at other countries that have dealt with difficult issues, I think of Germany. And I think of what Germany had to do when they talked about the Holocaust. And nobody denies the Holocaust. You go to anywhere in Germany, it will say a Jew was slayed here, as it should, because that's what really happened. When you talk in America about what happened, we don't talk about lynchings. We don't talk about stuff. We want to say, let's never have that conversation again. What do you think, C? No, I, I think you're right. I mean, that, that's the biggest part that I really am getting from this right now. And, and I see it on a daily basis. Um, you know, I moved from Atlanta down to, to Boca Raton and, and in my work environment and, and with clients and everything. Uh, sometimes I, I end up giving people the pass. A lot of the time I don't say certain things because I realized it's an exposure issue. Um, you know, I went, to, um, I went to the Boca Resort with my wife on Sunday and we were walking out to the beach and I see all these kids. Every time I go to the Boca Resort, I see all these kids running around like without a care in the world. And then I think about, you know, where like my family members are and the situations where I was raised in and where I went to school. And I asked my wife, I'm like, do you get mad at these kids when, when they do something like this? Or do you get mad at their parents or do you get mad at their parents' parents? Because it's an exposure thing, you know? And, and just like you brought up the governor um, speaking, um, I saw the interview um, where he was talking about indigenous servants. And I was like, man, just like you said a second ago, this is an exposure issue. He just doesn't know. He's just ignorant. You know, I don't, I don't even get the feeling that the guy's a bad guy. He's just really, truly ignorant to this. But stuff. in defense, like, all the he should be, he should be more informed, though, right? They'll make a joke about Black Lives Matter. They'll make a joke about something new. They'll make a joke about Colin Kaepernick. And for professional and income reasons for my family, you know, a lot of time I have to pick and choose the times when I want to say something. But the, the conversation would have to be so long and so deep because it's really an exposure issue. It's a massive ignorance level that's out there and it goes right down to what you're saying that uh the 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 contrast between germany and united states no one ever wants to admit that their uncle might have lent somebody you know what i'm saying when they did you know no one wants to admit that their uncle and grandfather grandfather got all these kkk pictures in the basement you know and, and and whatever like they do you know like 
that stuff is literally hidden and people don't want to talk about it. And, um, but isn't that dangerous? That. Do you like, think there's some danger to that, uh, uh, Carlton? The fact that you can not acknowledge something, pretend like it's not there and move forward in order to solve a problem, you have to at least acknowledge and I always, truth. you always do. Same thing. But when South you Africa. do, you, you people Africa. don't want to. Servant, the indentured servant comment was a window into that. Indentured servant, the indentured servitude was a thing, and but you weren't property. That was a contract. That was a contractual relationship. You you owed a certain amount of time of work, and that your kids weren't automatically indentured servants. You know, you weren't non-human. You weren't three fifths of a person, and so that's that right there. That is in his mind, whether it's subconscious. You know, and it's unconscious or whether it's a conscious decision, it's almost denying the dehumanization, the, the, the barbaric form of slavery that was imposed here. Wait, 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 Carlton, Carlton, let, 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 wait, wait, Carlton, let, let Tunde go first, then I'll let you go. Go. Go, Tunde. I was, I was just going to add, because I think I agree with everything. I, I was just thinking that. There are two things, uh, just alluding to what Jimmy said right here. Um, part of it is, I think there's several things for we really get into psychology. A lot of people are good people and they don't want to acknowledge that bad stuff has happened. The second thing is, basically, most people don't like to look at things of, of their own group that might be negative in the past. I mean, that's just a human thing, right? The, the other part that's a human thing, I think that you know, we're obviously sensitive to this topic because of who we are on this discussion. But one of the things that from just a couple comments earlier that was made from, from kind of the respect thing and the humanity that Jimmy was alluding to, I mean, look at how we deal with, I mean, I'm from Washington, D.C. originally. And, you know, I grew up a Redskins fan to the bone. It's funny how I, I, I'm not sensitive to the fact that Native Americans don't like the name of that team. I mean, I, I got to acknowledge that, honestly, that it's not a big deal to me. I'm sure if I was a Native American, it would be a big deal. So I think part of it that we need to acknowledge is that for a lot of people, these issues aren't a big deal. They, they see us kind of talking up about when blackface comes up and they, it goes back to the ignorance, it goes back to Carlton's comments about exposure. They, they just, it doesn't resonate as something that's an issue that needs addressing. And so this, this kind of loop feeds back. They look at kind of us and say, well, there they go complaining again. And we look at them kind of saying, well, there they go being insensitive again. And I think another thing that we should recognize, just all of us in this country, is in 1984, that was culturally acceptable. I think that's the thing that we don't recognize. To be next to the KKK and, and at a medical, you, you think he knew? I, I don't know. It was printed in his school's yearbook. Oh, well, yeah, there you go. You're right. So maybe, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make a big distinction here. I don't agree with it. I'm not saying that he should have done it. It was fine. What I'm saying is, unfortunately, that was culturally acceptable in a lot of universities. Even the fact that I don't think in any state in this country, and we talked about this, whether it be whatever we consider the stereotypical, maybe more racist states, like let's say the Dixie states. I don't want to start naming states, but a day in a medical school or law school, in those schools, could an editor let one of those pictures pass today? No, That's my point. And I was, uh, and it's funny you say that. Because you guys, um, was, uh, I, I, maybe at a big state school, but no, there are schools now that that would apply. I was at Mississippi. Go ahead, C. Go ahead. Wait, hold on. To, to the limit, C talk. C, go. I was at Mississippi State University when I was in 1989, 1990, my dad was over the Senator Stennis Institute. I don't know if you guys know about Senator Stennis, but that was like a big deal. And that we could go on and on about Senator Stennis' path. But I remember many a times walking on Mississippi State University as a 10-year-old on a college campus, a big school, getting called a nigger by truckloads of white boys, like, like you see in the movies, you know, having to run into places anywhere on campus that I ran in Mississippi. And I got tons of other Mississippi stories. So, I mean, this was 1990, right before Terminator 2 came out, you know? So yeah, that's real. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, that, and that's later than these photos came out. Um, yeah. And also going back to what you were saying a second ago, uh, why you got this opportunity and we're doing this podcast, it'd be a great time to go ahead and reach out to the governor of Virginia and get his ass on this podcast. Yeah. You can expose it. Because he kind of looked it, you know what I mean? Well, 
not ask for that right now. Well, you know? I'll tell you this, uh, and I know Rob wants to move on, so I'll keep this very short. Um, <laughs> the mutual <laughs> respect, mutual respect, is not something that is easy or that comes naturally. Generally, like that's something that if we're all going to share this space, share this country, you know, share this our state or share cities or share businesses. We have to make an effort to do that. Like that's not something that just comes automatically. As Rob pointed out earlier, like human beings have a natural reaction to something different, you know, land of the free, you know, all men are created equal. And so if we're going to live up to those ideals, we're going to have to make the effort. And that's all of us make the effort yep. to try to see things in other people's shoes and to try to approach each other and deal with each other in a way where we can have a common goal and move towards that. And that's with mutual respect. And I guess the harder part, and I'll conclude off of this, is that, you know, none of us here can go and survive and not have to deal with other people in order to be successful. Like, we have to deal with multiple people. We have to deal with white people. We have to deal with many different races of people to be successful. That's not true for the majority. So why, should, why, why would they want to do that? How do, we, how do we make that happen is something that I guess we're going to continue to have this conversation because it's going to be necessary for growth. You know, growth and comfort, you, you can't coexist. The two are, I think, diametrically opposed forces. If you want to grow, if we want to get beyond this, we have to go to a place where we're uncomfortable. But of course, people don't want to be uncomfortable. So how do we get others? Like we, I think we have to do that. You can't, you can't live in a African-American only bubble in America and be successful. Maybe two or three people can, but most of us can't. Well, I think some people I'm really kind of proud of finally uh, for for doing kind of what you're or kind of leading the way, and I hate I hate I hate the fact that they're hip hop artists, but uh, is people like Jay Z right now, who's finally kind of turning the corner and actually taking it back to the people and forcing people to have to deal with him in his environment, you know, and in his own skin and getting comfortable with that and, and making you be comfortable with seeing somebody like that be successful on a okay. high high level. Uh, I, I think that's really important, you know. And, and again, I, I'm not joking. I mean, I really think someone like you, Rob could reach out and get someone like that governor on this podcast and, and, and lead the charge with the exposure and education. You know? I agree. That's, that's something we can, we can definitely look into. So speaking on this story, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, this started off as a controversy in blackface and it seemed like he, uh, governor Ralph Northam was on the verge of possibly resigning, being on the ropes. Uh, well, and Rob, let me tell you one other thing. You yes. asked a question. I, I didn't, before you move on, you asked okay. a question. I want to make sure that uh, I mentioned this. Okay. How do we get majorities, which, you know, majorities are, are that, that's, that's part of any culture, in any group of people. There's going sure. to be a majority or, or a controlling group or, or whatever. But how do we get them to, or the majority in any scenario, to want to participate as far as with, with everyone, not just amongst themselves? I'll tell you this, they, the best thing we have going for us is it's built into the country. It's built into the, our, our constitution. It's built into the ideals of this country. Um, the idea that the, the stated ideals from the founding fathers come down they do not limit it to only one group of people it's all men it's it's equal protection under the law it's all of those things equality that stuff is baked in and so we really have to reach in and and find our inner american you know our patriotic yes. american if we're going to treat each other a certain way because that's the stuff america stands for and that's in, been in print for 200 plus years. Yep, and it's something you know. And now move on to the to the you you see bring another idea of when you when you when you when you leave with such good thoughts. You're right. The ideals have been written in America, but the goal has been to make the ideals a reality, and that has been the beauty and the frustration of this nation. Getting 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 those ideals and those words to actually match in reality has been the ongoing experiment of what we call America. But well, as you said, the challenge that the comfort has to be let go before, you know, in order for the progress to happen. Yep, that's what's got to happen. So related to this story, of course, this, this week started off, or the last few weeks, I should say, started off with a controversy centered around blackface and all the people that were in blackface in, in, in Virginia. And it looked like there was an easy, easy solution. You had Justin Fairfax, who was the lieutenant governor, who would be able to succeed uh, Ralph Northam. And everyone thought that that's the direction we were heading until... More Me Too allegations came out, this time centered around Justin Fairfax. And uh, at first, it was uh, one initial claim that came out with someone that he met in uh, 2006, I believe, 2004. In 2004, 2004 he met uh, during the DNC convention, uh, somebody he knew, and he said he knew, and he said that they had a consensual uh, sexual encounter. She's saying it started off consensual and then quickly moved to sexual assault. 
that was out there for a little while. And then the second claim came where um, someone he knew back in Duke University uh, said that he had actually raped her. And so now you have these two allegations out and you have people now moving to actually impeach him. And it seems like all the conversation has moved off the governor and everyone else. And now the focus is there. So, you know, this is interesting how this is all kind of played out. But, you know, the the, the Democrats kind of stance right now in dealing with allegations are zero tolerance, not for conduct. I think everybody agrees with conduct. But they're their their strategy is when there's claims out, automatically there's zero tolerance and the person should resign. My question is, is that the right strategy? Should that should that happen? Is there some levels of, of how to go about this? Knowing that, of course, sexual assault has been out of control for a long time, that these things happen. And more often than not, the allegation, uh, when, when people put forward accusations, more often than not, the facts have shown, I believe 90 plus percent of the time is true. But that still doesn't mean it's always true. So how do you go? How how should how should this be approached? Should he resign based on allegations? Should 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 he stay? And as he's calling for, he says he's called for the FBI to do a thorough investigation, and he's willing to submit to that entire process. Should he do that, or should he just do the what Al Franken did, just step down because everyone is calling for him to step down? Franken obviously, Al Franken obviously, as many others do seriously regrets his decision to step down. Even my mom was saying that the other day about Al Franken. Um, as far as this guy, though, hell no, don't step down. Hell no. Get, I'm glad he asked for FBI investigation. Get the FBI investigation. Let's get polygraphs. Let's get everything pulled out, you know, because uh, why is this just coming up now? Uh, we need to set a precedent in this country for people who are coming out with allegations Again, allegations don't come out until someone's having a certain level of success, which is from what I understand, which one of these ladies actually stated that uh, she felt the need to come out because she saw that he was about to be promoted to a higher level and thought that people should know. No, people should have known uh, the day it happened, the month it happened, maybe 60 days after it happened. After that, you start to lose credibility by the second. And so, no, he shouldn't step down. He should fight to the end. And if it's proven that he's telling the truth and that they're lying, there should be severe penalty for anybody in this country that's doing this going forward because it's causing too much disruption. And, again, why are you waiting until people only have a certain level of success to say something? It's absolutely about tearing people down. It's not about positive change. It's not about empowerment. It's only about destroying someone's life and, and achievement. And so I think there's no way he should step down. Any different view on this? Guilty. That, you know, that's, well, if he's guilty, but of course that's something we will never know. Um, the nature of these things makes it very difficult. I, I, I believe there is no right answer. There is no right answer here for throughout history. Uh, <laughs> this is a man and woman thing. Um, women making allegations has been taken lightly or disregarded and so forth. So I actually understand uh, why someone may come out later. Now, I have a problem, a different problem with the, the amount of time, and that's just something that's recognized in the law. It's recognized everywhere that our memories are not foolproof. It's not like our memories work forever to the same degree of recollection. So my concern, anytime you have a really long period in between when somebody says something happens and when they begin talking about it, is how do they remember it exactly how it happened? Do they remember it you know, in a way that after they've dealt with it and it was traumatic and they... You know, they, they deal with it in a certain way and they either they may remember it not as bad as it was or they remember it worse than it was. Um, so the reliability of a memory after you get to a decade or two or three concerns me. You know, the, <laughs> three. The, scenario, the scenario it, it like I could truly see that this woman truly believes that she was assaulted now but didn't necessarily think that the night after. Just, she, she just thought, oh, well, yeah, he was kind of pushy, but, you know, we were, we were in the moment a year or 10 years or 20 years. And then she sees other people making accusations and then to being taken seriously and being hailed as heroes. Her recollection may evolve over time. And so, and he may in, along the same line, on the flip side of that, he may look at it at the night of and say, Oh yeah, that was all good. Or he may look at it. Oh, I was really on the line that night and there be adamant. No, I didn't do anything wrong. And so the further you get away from whatever happened, people's memories evolve. And this is, you see this, you, know, you can have I, 10 eyewitnesses of a crime happen 
And if you interview all of them the next day, their, their stories will be closer than if you interview all of them two months later. Their stories will diverge. Right. And so that's the, the, the concern I have when my re- memories are not reliable. And, but that, to, I say that, but also acknowledging, I understand why women might be hesitant to, to come out um, you know, 20 years ago to say this. I understand that. And I, I don't have an answer for that. I don't think there, is any, or there are any good answers. Uh, it's just, I, I always say, you have to keep in mind what interest yeah. are you serving. Yeah, and I would say this, and I actually want to go to Tune Day. We have to know, of course, we're all men, so we don't have the perspective of coming from the female perspective. But when you deal with victimization and sexual assaults, a lot of times you, you don't talk about it. That's been well documented. Uh, you, try, you try to forget about it. That's also been well documented. So um, I believe in due process, too. I do believe in due process, but I also want to at least put the point out that it's a natural reaction not to want to discuss all those details as soon as they come out because it's, it's, it's embarrassing, right? It's not something that you really want to discuss with a lot of people. And you certainly, and oftentimes, the history of it ha- has been that when women do report it, they get attacked for reporting it. They're saying, well, you know, how much were you drinking? What were you wearing? I mean, those things are in the context. And then, you know, I, what really made me understand this is really when I first viewed this from not not my lens as a man, because obviously I'm a man, and I, and and I hear what you're saying, Carlton, and I understand some points have been made, but when people explain it to me in the forms of how racism is, because you know a lot of times white that's what we just talked about, white people don't understand what are you guys talking about, and they don't understand the privilege you have by simply the color of your skin. There's a privilege we have as being men. That's a fact. It's a privilege that we have to know when we come in the room. So there are things we don't fully understand because we never have to go through a situation of worried about, of worrying about being attacked or worrying about somebody trying to take advantage of us in that way. Generally, though men are sexual assault victims too, but generally more often than not, it's, it's, it's men uh, attacking women. Well, Rob though, I would, I would want to just say one thing. It seems like that we do have to worry about being attacked. We have to be worried about being attacked by someone 20, 30 years later who doesn't want to see you rise to a level of success and, and, and wants to put that out there. I mean, funny, many of the women that I speak with, whether it's at work, whether it's a client, whether it's on the street, are saying the same thing right now that, that I'm saying, which is that this is absolutely ridiculous. And so it's not just women um, who, are, who are saying this and, and everyone agrees with them. There's many, many women who don't agree with them. And, and just like in the case of Brett Kavanaugh, there was many women supporting Brett Kavanaugh. And now some of that stuff has been proven to be straight up bullshit that they were saying. I mean, it was all partisan politics. But look, that guy got a raw deal. Now he got confirmed, but he got a raw he's deal. He's in Supreme Court. And I think he's fine. Not, that was an attack on his character with no validity, no substance, no proof, no nothing. And you see what happened. He got confirmed. And, and what happened to those people? They're, they're, they're in the past. They're forgotten because there was nothing there to prove what they were saying. And many women support him and many women still do. And it was a, that was a big issue. It was a big issue that also turned out in the polls because many, many people went to the polls angry about Brett Kavanaugh. You know, so. You know, Tunde, you have any thoughts on this? It's, it's an interesting, I mean, look, it's, it's like the other topic, right? Like, I think you made a good allusion to racism. I mean, if something happens, um, I mean, unless it's a straight, obviously something as obvious as a rape or something that was definitely forced. Um, I think a lot of times, to Jimmy's point, um, you know, there could be things that happen and then are interpreted a different way from both sides. I mean, shoot up. When I was young and single, there were times when I was uncomfortable acting with a woman, you know, a couple of days later, a couple of weeks, and I thought about it. And I kind of thought, man, you know what? I kind of didn't like the way that went down, but you know, you let it go for whatever, whatever the issue was. And, <laughs> um, and what I mean is I'm not saying what I did to somebody. I'm saying what, what the way that I might've been treated in a situation. So, um, and, 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 and not to say that it was something like aggressive in, in the nature of what we're saying that these women allegations from the men, I'm just saying in general. And so, what I, what I think is important is, to your point, Rob, I think that, you know, obviously anyone that feels that they've been assaulted, a victim of something, needs to be heard. I think that's, that's the general kind of 
right way to handle it. But I also think of the check and balance. I don't know if the FBI lie detector test or something, but you're right. A guy gets into a position, like we're talking about this guy now, Virginia, he's lieutenant governor. Not just him, but it's amazing that, uh, you know, I, I feel like there's no coincidence. It comes out and three guys, the top three guys in line for leadership in Virginia are all touched by a scandal immediately at the same time. So I don't know what that all means. It seems like that's hard to do, you know, that that's a little bit more than a coincidence. But, you know, I think that we should, you know, this guy should stay in his job until the investigation's done. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. And then if he's guilty, great. He should be out if he's yeah. guilty. So I was just going to say, in defense of the women, when someone was in 2000, 19 years ago, the other was 15 years ago in 04. I don't know how they prove that it happened if it did happen this so long ago. So that's why I just don't know. This is just um, one of those weird ones that I think obviously everybody should be heard. It should be taken serious. Right. But it, it, if you keep going kind of to Carlton's point, the Kavanaugh route, then you, 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 you run the risk of setting up a precedent that anybody that rises can then be brought down by accusations. And if you ignore it, you're on the risk that, you know, I guess men don't take these kind of things serious and continue to do things that yeah. we know have been done that aren't right. So this is one where I kind of am really like looking from the outside saying, I got no perfect answer. I, I think that everybody should be heard and should be allowed to say their piece during kind of the investigative period. Right. And then put it to bed. I think another topic that can be discussed though is at what point, because I, I get it, and I think I've seen this on the news a few times you know, since this stuff came out. There's obviously a statute of limitations and all that from a legal perspective. So, you know, and by the way, just so you know, that, that neither, neither the statute of limitations is not run for either of those cases for Justin Fairfax. No, he's still the it, that's where I'm going is, but, but there's a political kind of statute of limitations or, or something like, obviously there's a political um, narrative that goes along so obviously we know that they can't take him back to be tried but now the question is this guy's been accused of women i'm sure that you know like the rest of the country 50 percent of virginia is probably women so can this guy then be in his position effectively just like we're talking about Northam? because you know what i mean like that's what i'm saying is there's no perfect right, right. so I'll, I'll just say this and we'll wrap up on this point as i spoke about earlier like men do have male privilege we know that in order for this to stop, sexual assault is, is, is a real problem, and, and, and it goes on a lot, and we know it. And, and for it to stop, we have to step up. I mean, men are going to have to have tough conversations. And so I know this, you know, when I, when, I, when I speak to my son, Mario, and I know everyone here who has a son, they're going to be real, real clear about what consent means <laughs> and make sure that they have a full understanding of that. Hell so yeah. there's so so, so there's no the so there's no confusion. though that doesn't even matter because someone could you you could have consent at the time and then 20 years later the way they remember it you didn't. But let me say this though the change that I, I asked you know well, what what interest are we serving you know I, I I like to come back to that when you're looking at any issue and I will say this the interest that needs to be served here is that the root of this problem is that women aren't comfortable reporting within a reasonable amount of time so we need to address that because. If something happens, we need to make sure that women feel supported and feel like they can come out. And it, it, along the lines of that Duke issue with Fairfax, um, one of the women that accused him apparently also uh, had an issue with one of the basketball players, yes. or, uh, yes. uh, allegedly, and went to a dean, and the dean told her to keep to, 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 to drop it. And she, and she told Justin Fairfax, allegedly told him about that. But more so, the yes. point that I'm making, though, is that that's the change that we need to have happen right now, is that... We need to, to listen to people in the moment so that everyone knows that if something happens to you, you need you bring it out right now. You know, like men for you, you talk about the privilege of men. Well, if somebody gets beat up, uh, if a guy gets beat up on the street, he doesn't wait 30 years to come back and say, hey, you know, like this guy beat me up on the street. <coughs> and say if, if, if you're going to say it, he's going to go say it right then and there because that he's he he knows that people aren't going to just minimize him or attack him. I don't like that example. If I get beat up on his man, I'm the, going either home. you're just going <laughs> to drop it or you're going to bring it up right away. One of the two. 
But you're not going to sit on it. You're not going to. My point is, you're not going to sit on it. You're not going to sit on it, sit on it, sit on it. That's because people take men seriously more than they will women. That's what you're saying. We need but then to do we that. have to change that. That's we do. what we need to change. Which right. is correct. I agree. And I think men are going to have to step up to do. I, I agree. And I think men are going to have to lead that to make that happen. I, I agree. I agree with you ASAP. It needs to be a precedent ASAP because it's going to ruin everything for everyone for years to come, man. And it's going to eventually creep over to women and other stuff too because, you know, real quick, I mean, I remember a situation when I was a virgin and I was 15. I had a girlfriend who was super aggressive. She tried stuff on me. I wasn't comfortable with it. She went and told the whole school I was gay because I wouldn't touch her after she was all over me. And I, was, I just wasn't with it at, at, with this chick. And so what am I going to, what am I going to though? Like now after this was 1995, I'm going to go out and say she raped me or tried to sexually assault me, which she really did. Like that was really sexual assault. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I, Carlton, like, I know you. I, I have a lot of, I, I, it's hard for me to have sympathy for you, but. <laughs> I'm just saying. You guys got to be careful with what you say about each other in this thing. Like some of this stuff is going to have to get cut. Like yeah. I'm on there that you have no sympathy for him. That implies a lot. <laughs> I, no, I just said I don't. <laughs> it doesn't. What does it imply? It doesn't imply that much. I'm just saying. I'm not saying it. I, I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> Sexual assault. But I'm just like, come on, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm almost forty now. You know what I mean? I, I, You're smiling and as I'm you not, say I'm it, not, bro. Not make light of it, but it really happened, and it would probably be more sexual assault than some of the things I see. I heard about like in the Brett Kavanaugh case where someone showed their dick in truth or dare. Like, oh my God. But was God, she stronger? Okay, fair, but fair point. But was she stronger than you though? Didn't you have the power? I, I mean, big, bro. Are big you saying, you, are, are you saying she overpowered when you? When I was then? in high school, bro, I was 170 some pounds, skinny, still growing into my body. How, how big was this? Never mind. This is too much. Yeah. Let me add this though. I think that from, from this discussion is interesting because I think you guys are all right and I think this is a cultural thing again this is like a blackface thing because you make a good point you we were in college let's say 20 years ago and we all look without even having to talk shit and you know make jokes about it we all know that college dorms could get crazy and that's that's just the way it was that and and you're right Again, I don't know if in today, right now, 2019, after the last few years, if a girl goes in a major basketball program like Duke and complains to the dean of the university, especially after Duke had a cross, if it would just be swept under the rug. I think in today's culture, that nope. dean might have had, had a CYA moment and said, okay, you know what? Have you been paying attention like to Michigan State and Baylor? Like, nah, but, come on, man. Like, nah, I get it. Look, I get these it. These are like, this happens all the time. No. Which is why this gives credibility to some women when they're in this moment. I mean, we just got to see both sides. That's what you have to eliminate. But, but let me finish. You think that's going to happen again in Michigan? My point is, is that just like with racism, this is all coming, it's changing. We're in the middle of that change. You're right about Michigan. And look at the Catholic Church. Who would have thought that the Pope last week, that the Pope would have admitted that the nuns have been sexually abused and mistreated for all these years? He came out and just said, yeah, this has been happening. We're shifting the culture, and this is the problem. Just like it's like this conversation reminded me a bit of the blackface conversation, which is 35 years ago, I'm not saying it was good for me, and I thought it was okay to do blackface, but the culture was that a lot of whites didn't see repercussions when they did that. So it was okay to put it in a yearbook. Today is different, and I think... What we're looking at is a guy like this lieutenant governor. I mean, this is like you're saying about it. It's almost is like Kavanaugh. In that year, and it's the year 2019. So I'm going to assume maybe he'll turn 40 later this year. I don't know when the guy's birthday is because it's only February, early February now. But maybe the guy was 19 or 20 back in the year 2000 when this thing happened at Duke. Now, just like Kavanaugh, we can say, okay, do we go all the way back the guys start acting like, you know, that's who he is today? Because if you look at most of us, whether it be something about sex or not sex, it could be drinking, it could be, you know, smoking weed, could be whatever the vice was for any of us at that age. We probably don't do it at all or the same way right now when we're mature guys or families. Sure. But some things are more serious than others, obviously. But yes. No, no I get underestimating the woman thing here. Well, the woman is, thing, the race thing is nothing compared to the women thing. Like women have been treated like this since the beginning of time.
Like yeah. race is kind of a new thing, you know, like, hey, let's, let's do this. We can keep it funny and just blame, you know. Remember, the race thing is new for us in terms of the last few hundred years in this country. But we know that human beings have been putting each other into groups and, and, and taking advantage of each other since the start of time. By tribes, but not by race, yes, but yeah. That's what I'm just saying it doesn't matter what it is, right? We all we all fall in these different things. So I just think that it's amazing. It's kind of like the police brutality thing. Let's go. Uh, well, well, we're go- we we might have to cover that on on another subject, but because I, I do want to move on, we got a lot to cover really quick. Okay, just the four of us know that that's been going on forever in the country, but because of the technology of the the phones and the cameras, all of a sudden the rest of the country outside of us just realize that this stuff's going on yep. and uh, you know as much as people see it in videos they still deny it would you consider the same thing about sexual assault of women i mean they would make the same claim wouldn't they yeah but that's that's what i'm saying in, in two three generations the police relationship with the black community might be different but it's a little bit painful now that we're going through this transition that's all i'm saying yeah. it's the same with the women's stuff and it's the same with the race stuff. That's all. Uh, it's not the same with the women's stuff, man. All the stuff that you well, say, oh, yeah, when boys will be boys, when in the 90s this was more acceptable than it is now, it's not. I mean, like, it's, they're doing the same stuff in colleges now that they clear. were doing then. Let me be clear. I'm not saying it's the same in terms of what it is. What I'm saying is the, the, what's the same is that we're in a cultural transition. Our culture is now treating women who have been, you know, sexually abused and all that different. <laughs> It might have just ten. The same with gay marriage. The same with. I mean, that's my that's my hope, uh, Tunde. But I hear that, and I, I just I think about from a race point of view. I think about when President Obama was elected, and everyone says we're going to live in a post racial society. And I'm looking at who's president now. I'm thinking, no, we're not in a post racial society. And in some ways, yeah. things, <laughs> right? I mean, like so. I mean, these, these things seem to be an inherent struggle that we. I mean, we are, we are, of course, are better off now in 2019 than we were in 1950. But in 1950, I mean, things were crazy. I mean, we would get lynched just for being black. You know, that, that can't be done now. But racism is a stubborn thing. And I think sexism will be a very stubborn, uh, stubborn thing as well. I, I think that's, that's the point. It's not going to be easy to change these things. But I think the change is moving in the right direction. So... Take, take what you just said about the, the, the leadership now versus, you know, the prior leadership. That, I think this leadership is a reaction to the last one. Exactly. <clears throat> and I think no one is saying we live in a post-racial society anymore. No one's saying that anymore. But here's the positive thing that I see. In 1950, this type of rhetoric and attitude would have had an 80% approval rating in this country. This guy can't seem to really get above 38%. Yet he's still president. The, the, I get a whole different topic we can debate how he got there. Yeah. But my point is, and look at, like you said, look at his opponent. I mean, there's a lot of things that happen that... that, that That's true. That's true. All right. I, I think we've, 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 we've definitely exhausted this issue. Yeah, so, so let's actually move on. All right, now we got our disruptor of the week. Our disruptor of the week is Jeff Bezos, who is the founder of uh, Amazon, the richest man in the world, and he found himself in a little bit of a controversy. So, you know, if you want to threaten somebody, you might not want to threaten the richest man in the world because I don't know what you can really do do about that. So, you know, the National Enquirer came out trying to threaten him and said that we have evidence on you. Allegedly. Allegedly with his mistress, Laura Sanchez, who's a former correspondent with Fox News. Don't know if that's relevant, but it is what it is. And uh, they said, well, look, we're going to release this about you. We got, we got pictures of your Johnson. We got pictures of your selfies. We got pictures of you naked, allegedly. We got pictures with you and your mistress. Now, if you don't want this to come out, you might want to arrange a deal with us. And, you know, he, he's thinking, nah. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pass. And he said, instead, I'm going to hire an investigator. And he told the investigator, money is no object. Figure out everything about where this came from. And so he went after it hard. And then, and then he wrote a public letter saying, yeah, this might be out here, but these people have an agenda. They're coming after me. And if they can come after me, which is, this is a good point. This is a good point for everybody. Look, if you got pictures with your privates out there and you're sending them over the internet, 
If they can get Jeff Bezos pictures for a man who's worth $170 billion, they can get you. So he's coming out and he's fighting hard and he's saying they're coming after him as politically motivated because he owns the Washington Post. And the Washington Post, of course, has been critical of the Trump administration, which is very close to the National Enquirer, which is also the National Enquirer is also close to the Saudis, apparently. And of course, the Washington Post is now has been criticizing the Saudis quite a bit because they believe that their journalist was murdered by the Saudis. I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. This is like we're in a Shonda Rhimes story or something, but this is America in 2019. This is where we're at. And Jeff Bezos is saying he was, he was already a disruptor. He started Amazon. And I got to say, it's rather ironic that he's talking about invasion of privacy when we all know you go on Amazon, they know everything you've done on the internet. So Jeff Bezos is the disruptor of the week. So James, why don't you tell me your perspective on the disruptor of the week. What do you think about this whole situation? And what does it mean for the rest of us that Jeff Bezos is going to have his privacy dealt with and, and actually intervened? And what can we learn from this? Um, you know, you need these types of things to be challenged. And Jeff Bezos definitely has the means to challenge it. Um, the, 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 the investigative journalism is a very important part of any democratic society. But Investigation for extortion into people's sexual, you know, their, their relationships or whatever. That's not the way that that tool should be being wielded. Uh, we want you we want you to back off of your coverage of this murder or we want you to talk more, you know, be more uh, use kid gloves with the, the government. Those aren't interests that need, that need to be served by investigative journalism. We need to know, you know, what what people are doing in the government that are wrong or people that are that are corruption or things like that. That's where investigative journalism uh, needs to be employed. Now, I don't investigative journalism to, 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 to look at a dick pic uh, of the owner of a company is ridiculous. And so I'm glad he's pushing back. I hope he embarrasses them and I hope he costs them you know, a ton of money in legal fees and in a, in a judgment. Yeah. Yep. Carlton. Man, I think this is a great case of a billionaire, not, not knowing maybe he's a billionaire because I mean, I mean, maybe I'm not articulating that properly, but I, I think he should unleash on them. I think he should unleash and show the world what it means. That's why I don't think he should also have any shame about what he was doing behind the scenes because what's the point of being a billionaire if you have to have shame? Um, and I really didn't even – it's just so funny to me now that the National Enquirer is even something that we're, we're mentioning because, I mean, all I think about National Enquirer is just the growing this stuff anyway. How is this place? And, and, and as a president of the United States, you know, since we brought that into it, why would you even want to be in an association with somebody like that? It just, it just the fact that you're associated with that is so scummy and shitty that it's just a joke. And so, like Jimmy said, I hope that he unleashes everything on these people. And, and I'll take it a step further than what Jimmy says. I mean, I hope he shuts them down. Um, you know, if, if I was Jeff Bezos, owner of Amazon right. and the richest man in the world, I would use everything in my power to shut these people down by any means necessary. And I wouldn't operate within the United States legal, you know, <laughs> show them what you got, man. It's ridiculous. And who cares? You know, um, I think it's ridiculous. Think, yeah. and, and, and again, we need to set precedent into in going into people's personal lives. Um, I don't care what Jeff Bezos does and, and, and how many dick pics he sends. He's not sending them to me or my kids. So who cares? Tune day. As long as it's consensual. Yeah. 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 yeah no, I, I, <laughs> with, uh, with Carlton's point. About we all know the Inquirer is just a sleeves bag full of crap, you know, kind of publication that's on the, every newsstand in the supermarket and no one ever believed anything they said. And I, I just, the fact that they're here in the middle of the story is just amazing. So I think it, it speaks to a lot. Um, his accusations are very interesting. If they play out to be true, I think that'll open up a whole another can of worms. Um, but here's what I find amazing. You got the wealthiest guy in the world who got there that way by running the biggest e-commerce site in the world. And it shows you about, I guess, men in general, all of us. The guy still couldn't control his impulse to send a, make a pictures online when he probably <laughs> Or at least couldn't find a way to do it without getting hacked. I mean, wow. Yeah, well, hold on. What impulses does he need to control? Like, that? that's, that's what you do man. nowadays, apparently. You know, people do that. I, I, I don't do that. That's <laughs> I, I think in my own life, like, I think, like, there's certain things that I wouldn't do, no matter if I'm 
a billionaire or not a billionaire because I understand that there's no privacy anymore. It's just, I wouldn't do that. But I bet you there's more people that are doing it. Uh, So I don't know that we should put our sensibilities onto him. I mean, a lot of people do that stuff. If you want to do it, that's fine. The issue is that they're taking it, they're hacking it, and they're trying to use it against him. I get it, but that's the point, right? Like, you would think that he, of all people, would know. It's like Anthony Weiner as a congressman that was talking about a billionaire is not a congressman. A billion, I, I am with Carlton on this. You're a billionaire, man. You can take a dick pic and put it wherever you want, as long as it's consensual. Like, yo! I'm just saying satellite and send it to everybody in the world. You know what I'm saying? And say, yeah, that's what's up. You know? That's $170 a billion. Dollars. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. For real, dude. All right, wrap up. We got we to wrap up. Go ahead, finish it up. And, 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 and think that we have to be PC or classy when it comes to this. No, if I'm Jeff Bezos and you extort and threaten me and you're part of the National Enquirer, I'm not only taking you out, I'm also taking down who the fuck reads the National Enquirer? Let's talk about that. Let's put that on the stage too. So anybody associated your readership base, you read the National Enquirer, you're a dumbass, okay? And so I'm attacking your client. <laughs> And I'm attacking your company. You know what I mean? So people be like, oh, shit, I'm not even admitting that I read this shit. It's a double win. Carlton, Carlton. <laughs> Let, take it easy on him. All right. Don't let Carlton be a billionaire. We'd all be in trouble. Jeez. So, no, you, no, no mercy, dude. No mercy. Because, yo, we're not – when I, by the time I'm done with you, you have no readership anymore. No, no <laughs> stupid people are going to do public lines and picking up your magazine anymore. It's over. Yeah, oh, man. I'm saying take it easy on the readers, man. People can people are entertained by all types of stuff, man. Like just because I don't yeah. read it or you know how to get a podcast. Those people are not even on podcast. I don't know, dude. Let me stop. No, <laughs> no, nah, nah, that was good. That was good. Are you serious? So we are now to our segment, Are You Serious, as we wrap up here. And our Are You Serious segment deals with Liam Neeson, who is promoting his new show. And by the way, I'm a big Liam Neeson fan, love Taken. And he came out and and focused on his next movie. And and he talked about how he got into the mode. And apparently he got into the mode by by thinking about something that happened to a friend of his uh, years back. Uh, he knew a friend and apparently she was uh, raped by a black man. And he said for one week he was just going around and, well, actually, I don't want to tell you. Just listen to the segment and you can make your own assessment. I'll tell you a story. This is true. I'm not going to use any names, but I was away and I came back and she told me she had been raped. But she handled the situation of the rape in the most extraordinary way. But my immediate reaction was I asked did, they, did she know who it was? No. What color were they? She said it was a black person. I went up and down areas with a cosh, hoping I'd be uh, approached by somebody. I'm ashamed to say that. And I did it for maybe a week, hoping some black would come out of a pub and have a go at me about something, you know, so that I could kill him. So that's what he said, right? I mean, he's like, he wants to go out and find somebody who he wanted to find a black man to beat up. Not the black man that actually raped his friend, but any black man. And he said he was ashamed of it, but that's how he felt. And I don't know why he did this. Maybe this is, maybe this is not taken. This is a really bad movie and he needs to generate some controversy, but I don't understand I don't understand why he does this. I mean, are you serious, Liam? Come on, man. I don't know. Maybe my panel has a different view. Carlton, what do you think about Liam Neeson and, and, and him coming out here and revealing how he felt in order to get into the mode for this movie? Look, man, um, I'm trying to be the best Christian that I can be, but I still am not the most forgiving person. And I'm not even a big Liam Neeson fan. Uh, but I, what I will say is that we have to give people the opportunity to be themselves and start ridiculing them. And again, he's like 60 something years old, man. He's talking about something that happened 20, 30 years ago in his youth. And man, when I used to get upset, I mean, 
you're emotional, you're irrational, you're capable of doing anything. And uh, especially when something uh, as, as severe as uh, someone acute being accused of rape, uh, especially when, again, exposure is limited. So you're talking about rape and limited exposure to race and someone says a black person raped you. It's the same thing if, if we were living in Rosewood or something, you know, and, and somebody came in and was like, hey, uh, a white guy raped me. You know, I mean, there's a lot of anger there. There's anger on both sides and people want to go. You wouldn't want to beat up every white man because you, because uh, a uh, white man, one white man raped your sister I or think somebody. People, I think people, right? when they get into that mentality, it's gang mentality. It's, it's all types of different mentalities. So it could be a gang member wanting to, to kill every blood or crip or, or anybody in a neighborhood or vicinity. When people are angry, they're angry. You know, and again, you're talking about a lack of exposure. So right. he may have had viewpoints and opinions that aren't the same as what he has now. And so, no, I don't think we should hold it against him. Uh, the guy right. is trying to talk freely in an interview, and we got to stop being so sensitive. What do you think, James? What are your thoughts? Well, I'll tell you this. We, we spoke earlier. I think it was you, Rob, that said how, you know, a lot of times there needs to be some discomfort in order for there to be growth. Um, and so I'm actually happy he said it. Um, I think you can hold it against him if you, if you so choose. I don't think there's a problem holding it against him. I mean, it's a very racist thing, um, but I'm happy he brought it out. It's not something that really influences the way I think about him. I didn't look at him previously as a beacon of racial harmony. Um, I, didn't really have any, you know, I didn't have thoughts on him one way or the other as far as that went anyway. So, great I mean, great I appreciate By the way, Jimmy, great point, by the way. Why are we holding actors and people to this high standard? You know, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, um, he's, he's just an actor. He's on my TV screen. Right. Exactly. So, By the way, I don't think know, it's like, a high standard I, I, to not I be racist. I appreciate his honesty. I think it's a growing moment. I think the, the opportunity here isn't to ridicule him. The opportunity is to, to expose how people get angry and they become irrelevant to anyone because what that person represents to them. Right. And so that, to that, me, is the discussion. You know, like, right. why, why is that? Why, why do you yourself need to look at yourself and say, okay, you know, you can be better than that or you know, in that framework. So to me, again, you can hold it against him. I mean, he, he said something very bad, but I don't think your expectation should have been of him, of anything in particular. I don't think he's been out there claiming to be, you know, the, the most enlightened or woke person in the world. So this is how he was. He says he's ashamed about it. So he's not saying that this is the right way to be, um, you know, and, and, and so I take it as that. Tune day. Yeah, no, I agree with, what 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 uh, Jimmy and Carlton said, um, you know, and, and Jimmy makes a great point. I think you know, at some point, I, I love Liam Neeson's movies, and I, I I love his acting style, and he's plays a tough guy. I mean, so you know, what do we expect? This guy wasn't pretending like he was Mr. Kumbaya, you know, in the way he portrayed himself to the public. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I mean, I think you look, we gotta allow people a chance to to say something. I mean, look at it. it I don't, I don't, I've never seen anything else in his life that has led me to want to believe that the guy is a racist or anything like that. I think he should be uh, allowed to be honest. And I think, you know, we had our little group text a few days ago where I said, you know, I don't, I look at someone like him in that comment, and to me that's a lot different than the way Bill Gibson, for example, and the way that he was saying certain things on a voicemail that to me were a little bit more just too racist. Right, because he was—he didn't know people were listening. He was actually having a private conversation about how he really felt. It was a little different than having a public interview, confessing how you felt about something that was wrong. So you're right. That I think those are very different things. I think, but even to your point, like I think the fact that he knew he was being interviewed and that this would be the for the world to hear. I mean, I, I almost appreciate that he felt comfortable to share that because it's like, all right, dude. Like I think instead of just everybody accusing the guy of being a POS. Like, how about we just, like, ask him a few follow-up questions? All right, right. so what happened? Did you find that guy beat up or not? <laughs> right, right. And I, I actually think this means, Day that is, this movie is probably awful because he, he needed to – I think he was just trying to figure out a way to generate some controversy because – it's good attention. Listen, we're talking about it here on this podcast. I didn't even know Liam Neeson had a movie coming out. So this movie is probably awful. <laughs> Honestly, I think we're thinking too far into it. I, I don't know if, if he really thought about it. This would be the way to get publicity. <laughs> nah, he's probably, he's probably drinking me to interview me. <laughs> hey, hey, but listen, listen but look, hey, I, I knew I he was being honest. I mean, I, I Go ahead, Jimmy. 
clearly we think something, you know, like we, we everybody's, you know, voiced their opinion as far as, you know, really saying it's not something where you should jump down his throat. But I do think you should give space also to the people that might have been offended. And I don't think this should become where we're saying that they shouldn't be offended. Like, if you're, if you're offended by that, you're offended by that. You know, like, I don't think that everybody has to be offended or everybody should be offended. I mean, some people are, some people aren't. Uh, like I said, th- to me, what, what the, the place to go, the way to move forward from it, though, is, you know, to, to understand and appreciate that this type of discussion can help move the dialogue forward. You know, so it can be a positive. And if you want to focus only on the negative aspect of what he said, that's your choice. But I think the focus actually in the energy is better directed on how you can actually use this as a tool to move dialogue and, and, and go towards a, a, a place where people can can learn from these types of things and, and they, and, and, and yeah. And, right. and, and, no, that's, so we got, we got to very, very quickly, like 30 seconds that we got to go. Yeah. Sorry, just, just rewind. I mean, you know, again, I think, I think a lot of the, the conversations we're having in the media and on podcasts like this and things of this nature are, are very actually un-American. Um, what you know what? Mel Gibson's welcome to say whatever he wants on his girlfriend's answer machine. I don't really care. Let them know if we want to go see his next movie or not. Uh, I do, you know, I like Mel Gibson. I don't really care what he says. And he has every right to say what he wants. He, he does. does. And yeah, we, we have every right to have a response to him and I like. upset, though. People have right. a right yeah, to be Exactly. Not and we have a right I to boycott his movie. I think we need to fight sensitivity. And I think what blacks need to admit, African-Americans are sitting behind uh, you know, the behind uh, closed doors and saying some pretty racist shit themselves. So it's really all around. Um, that people are expressing themselves and then, you know, they say things they don't mean and they come out of it or whatever. And I think we just need to ease up a little bit and, and, and have more dialogue. I still like Mel Gibson. I didn't really like what he said on the phone, but Hey, you know, I mean, it doesn't stop me. I'm sure what I got to do. And so I think people need to just be less sensitive and, and, you know, just talk a little bit more. All right. We're going to have, we'll have Carlton have the last word there. Disruption now with, with the team on the breakdown. Look, we're here every week to really make you a little bit uncomfortable, to push the status quo and make sure that we are engaging in thoughtful conversation. We're going to do it every week. We're glad you could join us. Again, you can like us on YouTube. You can, you can subscribe on any podcast. I'm Rob Richardson, James Keyes, Carlton Washington, Tune Day, all of us. We're glad that you tuned in and we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you. All right. Thank you.